0: This podcast was created by the Arts and Junior Cycle team for the Junior Cycle Talks channel. Hello and welcome to this week's Arts and Junior Cycle podcast. My name is Michelle Geraghty, Arts and Junior Cycle advisor, and today I am delighted to be joined by husband and wife duo Zoe Conway and John McIntyre who have been described as simply one of the best folk duos on the planet. So with an exciting blend of eclectic fiddle and guitar music, Zoe and John bring to the stage sympathetic arrangements of traditional Irish music, compositions and songs, old and new, some of which you will hear today. They both possess a rare ability to draw pieces into their repertoire from other genres, such as classical, jazz and world music, and express this material in a way which not only displays the sheer range and knowledge of both instrumentalists, but also exhibits the wonderful versatility of the instruments which they play. So hello and welcome to you both. Thanks very much. It's lovely to be here.
1: Thanks, Michelle. Michelle.
0: And I think let's start with some music, shall we? I'll let you introduce this piece yourselves.
2: Yes. So this is a song called Fuishef a which means I will find solace.
3: We should buy your side.
0: was absolutely beautiful uh, Zoe and Johns. would you tell us a little bit about this piece this is a piece you've both created yourselves yeah thanks so much
2: um, it's lovely to get a chance to play well that was part of a kind of a larger project that we undertook where we we were working with a couple from Scotland Julie Fowlis who's a Scots Gaelic singer and her husband Eamon Durley who's Irish but living in Inverness um, and he's a great bouzouki player and uh, we we wanted to kind of work on a project together for a few years and we were trying to come up with ideas and we have a real love of Irish language. John is a fluent Irish speaker and he speaks it at home with our children and um, Julian Eamon speaks Scots Gaelic at home and we thought of the idea of taking Irish language poetry and Scots Gaelic poetry and trying to make new songs out of them and um, in other words to try I suppose and expand on the store of songs that we have and um, so that was actually a poem composed by a British poet called Martine O'Duron I'm sure you know the yeah. poem because yeah. it's very famous here um, and we just made a song out of it, we, we kind of put the words to a melody um, I, I did that part and then John did the kind of arrangement if you like with the beautiful chords and introductions and harmonies and everything so I suppose it's a good example of the collaboration that we have as a couple and um, the work that we're doing at
0: the minute and what excites us There's a lot of different influences in that song isn't there? There's definitely classical elements and traditional elements how do you combine those or how has that process started
2: I suppose for me I'm first and foremost a traditional musician and that's what that's what I really love and that's my real focus but I would have studied classical music for years as John did as well I also am very influenced by world music, by what I hear and what I love and, you know, different bands from all around the world while people are doing different kind of folk sounds. Um, so I think we've taken influences from a lot of those in that song and have we've made it kind of, I suppose, quite contemporary in an Irish setting. That's what I really want to be doing at the minute, you know. I find that really exciting to take, I suppose, what I think are the most beautiful parts, the most beautiful elements. So the big slide down. Um, as you notice there, towards the end um, on the violin, that I'm directly taking that from Indian folk music. The repetitive theme towards the end is really a bit more like maybe pop music or film music or things that you'd be used to hearing. So I'm trying to take all of those little influences and bring them in. And yet... You know, treat the Irish music the way it should be treated with the utmost of respect and really keep that very fragile beauty there. Do you know in the song?
1: For me, in terms of the guitar accompaniment, like we were trying to think of a way to try and express this material really that other people could understand it or appreciate it or find something in it that they would find familiar. And it was quite clinical and it was quite purposeful the way we went about it like I, I'm using on the guitar 10th which is used an awful lot in pop music rock music
0: So how would you describe your own sound the sound that you have created
1: I think we're both interested in as though we mentioned like other styles interested in there's a brilliant band Shakti an Indian band which is um a guitar and fiddle and like we would been drawn to that we were drawn to Stefan Grappelli Django Reinhardt things that are sort of different and also like you have Mihalo O'Sullivan and, and uh, Kevin Burke albums that we would listen to all the, these different things and I think I think influences should be this sh- should be a natural process I know that we said that you know we were sort of trying to be bit more creative and maybe a bit more um, embracing of contemporary music and what we did with Frishevioze. but I think that by and large everything that happens is sort of more natural and more subconscious I think than anything else
2: yeah and and I suppose a lot of it feeds out of your experience as a musician and how you sounded as a child and you know the way your sound has developed over the years and you're really striving for in terms of the sound of your instrument and the notes that you're choosing and the style that you're choosing and the bowing and um, how John plays guitar you know it's all very sensitive and it's all very thought about you know so Mm -hmm. it does take it, it takes years to get to this point but like really myself and John didn't start actually playing together as a duo until after we got married so it wasn't like we started (laughs) playing music together and then we figured out we got on really well or anything <laughs> like that it was a really unusual development for us but so it was
1: kind of uh, not to say that we didn't play music we did play music but we didn't play music on stage yeah. we didn't actually set about trying to come up with repertoire etc mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know so we did play music people joke about that
2: what i'm saying is i suppose we had our individual voices before that and then that fed into our sound as a duo you know we brought that together and tried to work on a on a duo sound that complemented those individual yeah sounds.
0: You are a duet. How do you get that balance right between the melody and the accompaniment? In that song there was like a almost like an exchange uh, yeah. it's like a conversation isn't it between both Absolutely. instruments and both voices it's
2: really important to think of it like that like a conversation and that actually we have equal importance there it's equal you know and the, the accompaniment that John comes up with is really beautiful for the for the Irish tunes and really that's the thing for me that elevates it from just very simple Irish music to something really beautiful It's it's important that we have those spaces for each other and that the audience gets to hear actually John's idea is there and if, like what, what we really like on stage is to control our own balance. If there's a part where John needs to come out more than me, I'll go right down I'll be nice and quiet and then he'll mm. be much louder and we kind of balance ourselves in real life and um, nothing to do with the microphone. so the microphone's just a little extension of, of what we do and um, we'd like it to sound quite acoustic and natural. Let's go back to your own
0: childhood. Where did your journey begin as musicians?
2: I have three older siblings and by the time I was born, they were already playing music. So I was absolutely surrounded by traditional Irish music. But actually, my parents don't play any Irish music and they just wanted their children to be able to play. And then I think I began piano and tin whistle and whatever I could put my hands on as I was getting older. Um, And I started the fiddle around eight or nine um, and I just absolutely loved it. Totally fell in love with the fiddle and gave up everything else and had no interest in anything else and uh, I've loved it ever since it's then as a teenager I was learning and getting better and spending hours and hours practicing that was in kind of classical and then in traditional I was you know competing and uh, doing all my workshops and uh, going to all the flas and festivals and everything so it was very interesting time you know the classical versus traditional um, but it was that's kind of how I got to where I am now and that's why all those influences are there in my music so John's slightly different s- story, I suppose.
1: Yeah, I suppose I I learned, I, I remember my father trying to teach me, he played guitar and I think the most important thing was when I was about eight, we actually moved house and we would no television for, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how many weeks. Maybe I'll try to play the guitar. And sure, I I just uh, started learning some of these songs, uh, like fri- practically on my own. It was on my own, um, but it was largely self-driven. But I remember another massive influence would have been going up to my father's family in in Blanacolumcille, Donegal, and like he had loads of brothers, and they'd all, they'd all be in a room and they'd be singing songs. You know, they'd be singing Neil Young and John Martin and really nice songs. Yeah. Um, and became a massive influence, you know. So I, I think I was fortunate enough to have people that r- surrounded me, the fa- sort of family and extended family, did really good taste in music.
0: I, I suppose professionally then your career began as an electric guitarist, didn't it? You were part of uh, yeah. the, the band The Revs. Do you want yeah. to tell us a little bit about that yeah. period oh, in your life?
1: Yeah, I played I played with The Revs and uh, we were a rock and roll band. We played in all the kind of festivals and East had chart when there when there was a chart like we were we had number ones in the Irish charts and all this kind of thing you know so it was a really exciting time to be playing music.
2: I know I was saying I told this before but like like that we would have. Gone to pubs a lot to, to learn Irish music and sessions and everything, but w- there were actual gigs that we were doing at that stage as well before we knew each other, obviously. And um, one time I went to play on the Jerry Kelly show, which was on UTV, and I was asked to play with a, a singer um, from Cross McLean, who was an amazing singer and a band. And uh, when we got to the studio, I'm not actually sure what age I was, but I would say. Fifteen or something like that, or maybe fourteen, and I got to the studio, the TV studios, and the producer started giving out to the guy who managed the band, and he was saying, "You can't bring a child in here to play, like that's illegal." And he was saying, "No, no, it's not. She's she's um she's just she's here, same as one of us. She's going to get paid the same as one of us. She's well able to play." And he defended it, and I was able to play on the on the TV, you know. Um, and of course, I didn't hear about any of that until it was all over. But um, yes, ever since young child, and same with John, we've basically being professional musicians, you know, which is really mm-hmm. exciting because, you know, when you're a child, you just want to be an adult. So <laughs> we kind of were in, in the music in world, the music world. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: very good. So you've performed all over the world for rock stars, millionaires, dignitaries, including the president uh, when you're performing on a stage. What do you consider to be the essential elements to communicate the music, I suppose, successfully yeah. to the audience? How do you bring them in? Well, that's a difficult question. I mean, the million dollar
2: question. Um, I think it's to do with how you're communicating your own music and also how you feel about your own music. Are you actually proud of what you're doing or are you not? Um, And it's about that kind of musical integrity, if you like. And I feel from my point of view, any of the music that I present, um, I wouldn't be playing it if I didn't think it was absolutely brilliant and worthy of us performing it, you know. And so we're very selective about our pieces. We don't just fire stuff together and, (laughs) you know, throw it out there. Um, Everything takes so much work, so many hours of work. Like that song, Fuishe Bheodse. I'm not joking you, at least a month, possibly two and maybe four or five months in development, you know. Um, So everything is very thoughtful and I think that that really is the thing that communicates with people and resonates with people, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's when you get response. And you have to be in that kind of zone of relaxed you know the feeling the flow in order to play well so it's a very fine line to get everything balanced for concerts um but that's that is what we do as musicians is communicate music and that's what we've always done you know so um that's the honor of it really is getting to do that mm. uh, and it's wonderful and then to get the response back from audiences is just so amazing and it doesn't have to be a thousand
0: people or ten thousand people you know any amount of people it's just lovely to play for. What advice would you offer to young musicians and indeed teachers who are aspiring musicians and composers?
2: yeah i think you know don't be afraid to focus on your work and actually work you know and put the time in because that's what we both did uh we would have spent hours and hours every day working on our craft and you get the rewards back of the work that you've put in so that would be the main thing don't be afraid of doing that and try and find the place where you get you're getting the rewards and then it isn't like work at all um and also to try and have all of those influences, to be open to all of those influences. So to try to hear good music, it's so easy now, in fact, to, to have access to that. You know, use your ears, listen as much as you can and mm. soak up as much as you can because those people are masters, yeah. those people that walk this route before us.
1: Another thing that might be worth saying as well is use the technology that we have, like um, music speed changer and and metronome. I think it's really important to play with metronome and people overlook that type of thing Mm. playing in tune there's tuners on your phone you know and the other thing is recording i mean most of what i do in terms of music and composition is referenced by recording i'm i'm yeah i'm working on it and coming up with ideas but uh, i'm using my phone all of the time trying to record that and then Uh, You know, you don't you get a sense of what the piece is like when you when you're playing it, but it's only when you press play and you listen back to it that you really hear it.
0: So, some really good advice there for, for students and teachers. How do you keep working and developing your music? Is feedback important to you both? Where do you get feedback from and what do you do with it?
1: And I think that the only feedback that's really of any use to you is your own feedback. And as I said before, the whole aspect of being able to record yourself and be able to listen back, being able to compose and record and listen back is brilliant. It's Even if you don't compose, for it to be able to perform something,
2: What we are trying to do is to please ourselves, which sounds really ridiculous. But as an artist, that's all you can do. You know, Mm. you're just actually trying to create something that you think is beautiful. And it really doesn't matter what other people feel. You know, you have to just keep driving down that that path.
0: You're um, working as well, John, in the area of producing and recording music. So, do you want to tell us a little bit about that that aspect of your work?
1: It's something. Actually, the last eighteen months with COVID lockdown and things like that has become really important for us, even as musicians, to sustain ourselves. And we ended up playing like on live TV, but we'd be at home. We were able to use really good um, studio quality microphones, etc., and been able to. Able to plug everything in, it's been just a lifesaver, you know?
2: And we, we actually were invited to do a few soundtracks over lockdown as well. So, um, we are great friends with Bill Whelan, the composer of Riverdance, and he's done a new animated version of Riverdance for children. And uh, we were able to record that at home and send it over. And uh, we worked on a, a lovely project <coughs> which was based in Carlingford, um, a Hollywood movie called Finding You. And we were again like John was able to engineer, um, and I was able to perform form the pieces and we were able to email them over to the studio in America and stuff so
1: yeah I mean it's something that I I've had an interest Mm -hmm. in for years and years you know as long as I'm playing music there's been some sort of technology involved you know Mm. in terms of amplification and being able to plug in to a mixing board and mix and use the EQ control so it kind of started with that and I was always fascinated with it you know kind of been able it's like being able to play another instrument in many respects, being Mm -hmm. able to produce music, you know,
0: let's just go back to, I suppose, music and playing with other people and what it offers you in terms of well-being. So is this something that you've both found as a young musician that, you know, you found it helped you as a person to stay well, to mind yourself uh, when you were learning music and playing with others? And is it something that you still continue to find now that you're a professional musician? Does music Definitely. still offer you that sense of well
3: Definitely
0: it does. I mean, it's an
2: absolutely gorgeous industry to be in. Um, obviously, it has its pitfalls like any industry, but I think the community element of Irish traditional music is just second to none. And the other thing about it is, in traditional Irish music, when I was growing up, we were treated like adults in that community we were treated as peers and it was to do with your ability and not so much your age or where you're from or who your family are or any of that Uh, it definitely gives me wellness it makes me complete you know and it gives my life purpose and so definitely for me so finally
0: um do you reflect on the work that you do do you look back and say this was really good or i might try it differently the next time is that part of the process when you're creating music or performing.
2: Yeah, I think we do like we wouldn't be going putting on our old albums or anything like that and listening to them, but we would occasionally hear things on the radio.
1: (laughs) Oh, we do. Yeah, that's true. And I think, you know, the expectations, I think the the older I get, the more mature I get as a musician, the more you realize it gives you a sort of distance from the music that you love and uh, are loved you know and you start to see that this this is these are beautiful moments you know and it doesn't all have to be perfect you can see shining glimpses of genius within music and 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 you can appreciate that and then you can say you hear yourself on the radio or whatever and you can say god that there i'm really proud of that
2: I know, and you're not uh, so critical in yeah, a way looking exactly, back, like exactly. and and you're you, we're we're highly critical of ourselves, mm. so um you know we really strive to be the best, and if there was any little error in a piece at all, we're just like no, we cut that. People had sent me um a recording of a concert that we did a couple of weeks ago, um and they're saying okay, are you happy to go with all of this? And I knew that there was one track that I wasn't happy with because there was a mistake in it, but we listened to the track and I'm like. It wasn't as bad as I thought. Like it's yeah. it's basically a, nothing. It's like yeah. a 1% glitch. And mm. in my head on the stage, it was
0: a 90%, you know. Yeah. We might end with another performance. Um, would you like to tell us a little bit about this piece? And it's uh, something that, again, you've created yourself.
2: Yeah, so it's a lively piece um, that we actually compose together. Like a lot of the time I'll compose one bit and then I'll bring it to John. He'll do something on it. And, you know, it's kind of fragmented. But I think we were in the one room at the one time when we wrote this piece. It's called Elok Namuk, which means the pass of the dolphin. Um, and at the time we were spending a lot of time with the kids and we were traveling along the West Coast and, um, um, and we actually saw dolphins in the sea and they were really very close to the children at some points. But um, it's a really lively tune and just full of fun.
0: thanks uh, zoe and john for that amazing conclusion to this week's podcast and the best of luck to you in the future and in all your future projects thank you so much
2: much. it's been a pleasure
0: thank you for listening to this podcast which was created by the arts and junior cycle team for junior cycle talks podcast channel to hear more from junior cycle talks search for us on soundcloud or anywhere you listen to your podcasts